Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hey, person noob. You know what occurs to me this holiday season? I wonder what the 13th day of Christmas, if there were such a thing, would bring. Do you have any thoughts? If you don't, I do. Watch how I connect to this show. On the 13th day of Christmas, soccer noobs gave to me 13 mini match previews from around the world. Yeah. It doesn't rhyme, but we do have 13 on our show every single week, don't we? Mm-hmm. The 10 main ones and the three bonus matches. Yeah. You think it'll catch on? 100%. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. How are you? I'm pretty good. Cool. Also, yeah. uh, I have um, a five days of Christmas song. You do? On the fifth day of Christmas, my best friend gave to me five donut holes. Four pieces of turkey, three whole pineapples, two very cheesy tacos, and a Diet Pepsi from McDoodles. That's not the way I've heard you sing portions of that song before, but I guess it still works. It makes me a tiny bit hungry. So, this is Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Me! That's right. This is episode... Did I already say it was episode 116? No. Oh, well, it's at one, episode 116 of our show. Congratulations ah! to us. It's a nice round number, isn't it? And we're here to fill your holiday stocking with the goodness of those 13 mini match previews from around the world. What do they all have in common? What makes us different from other shows? Well, the 10 that are going to have in common, they're going to be some of the biggest, best, most paramount, intriguing matches from anywhere in the world. As we define that, that could be really big matches from very big leagues and tournaments, or it might also include some really big games from some of the smaller top flight leagues from countries around the world. We will go to any confederation, any continent, any country. We're interested in learning the whole darn game at once as noobs, aren't we? Yeah. That's right. So this particular week, we are going to be covering matches from, you know, it's funny we did the Christmas thing, but these matches are actually going to be covering uh Friday, December 30th through Thursday, December 5th. You think we should start over and not do the Christmas stuff? No. Good call. <laughs> so how was your, of course, I kind of know this because I was there for all of it. But I want to hear your take. How was your holiday? Pretty good. That's cool. Do we stick around close to home the whole time? No. No. Where did we go? Uh, we went to church. Yeah. Where else did we go? We went to my uncle's house. Yeah, your uncle's house for a little bit, which is just down the road. And we went about an hour to visit your grams and granddad. But then what was yeah. the big long trip? 
We went to visit my grandma and grandpa. Yeah, that was about a nine-hour drive in the car. And uh, something happened that hadn't happened in quite a while. For several years, after only about 90 minutes, you kind of asked the uh, a version of the how, are we there yet? <laughs> how long do we have to go? Sort of question. 17 <laughs> you, years. You were ready for the uh, trip to be done, but it takes probably eight and a half, nine hours before it stops. So... Well, uh, the meaning of the season for us as Christians, of course, has to do with Christ the Lord. And we are so grateful for the gift of the Son. And then later on around Easter, the burial, death, and resurrection. But nevertheless, it is also interesting to hear about some of the other stuff. What was your favorite present maybe that you got this year? Hmm. I don't know. Hard to say. Now, it wasn't precisely a Christmas present, but did you you did get something at church, didn't you, that you got to auction with your tickets or points for uh, behaving super well throughout the year? Yeah. Yeah. You want to tell the people what you got? I got a big bike. And, and boy, it's purple. Yeah, big purple bike. The color of royalty, they say, purple. Yeah, and it was well-timed because you shot up. You used to be in the bottom 1% for height, and then about just under a year ago, yeah. you shot up, and now you're in the top 90% for height, and you want to remind the folks how old you are? I am 10. 10. So that was a really big, that was a really big jump, and your old bike was designed for somebody who was in the bottom 1% for height, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. You just about, I don't think you could have physically ridden that without almost dragging your knees on the ground. So even though it wasn't technically a Christmas present, would you say that was your your favorite get of uh, the holiday season? Uh, it was one of my two. And what was the other one? I got a purple phone, and also I got a purplish pop socket. A pop socket and phone. and a phone, and also purple. You are just Miss Royalty. You know why? You know why purples uh, consider the color royalty. Because purple dye way, way back in like ancient times and maybe even up through medieval times uh, was the rarest of dyes to be able to find the stuff to make. So only the very wealthy or the royals could afford it. So don't you feel royal? Yeah, Miss- I got purple stuff everywhere. <laughs> it's about as easy to find as any color, other color now for the most part. But still, it looks good. Purple looks good on you. you I am background pleased. Purple. purple background, clear case, purple phone. It all works out for you. Well, I'm glad you had such a good time. And then the present you got me was sort of purple-ish. Uh, it was like dark purple. Dark purple. Yeah. You want to tell the folks what you got me? I got him a five pound weight. We currently have a three pounder, but I don't care. Yeah. So you had a three pounder from somewhere else. And then at one of your school points auctions, there was a singular five pound weight. You know, the daddy wants to get in a little bit better shape. So you were kind enough to get that for me, weren't you? No, I bought it with my money. Oh, you did? I thought you got it with points. I bought it wow. with money. Where did you get money? <laughs> I don't I give you money. I have over $100. You don't have nothing. <laughs> yes, I actually do. I counted the money that I have. Hmm, you must have a good hiding spot for it because I've got no idea where this is. Well, when I find it, it'll be Merry Christmas for me all over again. More. <laughs> I'll take all your money. Uh, I'll take all your money. I'll take all your money. <laughs> All right, so we've agreed that we're going to rob one another. Merry Christmas to us. Whoever so, has more money wins. Shall we jump into the soccer? Yeah. All right, let's get these previews started with... Match number one! We start off with a tremendous matchup on Friday from the number eight ranked league in all of Africa. That is the Sudanese Premier League, where they're almost halfway through the season. 
your matchup. Number one, Halal Omdurman taking on second place in the table currently. Number B, we'll explain that soon, Marek. Halal Omdurman, they lead Marek currently by five. So a win here would really have them in the driver's seat. But it is worth noting that Marek have a match in hand. They have played one fewer game. And it's not just a two-horse race. Marek are tied in the table for that second position with I all a rob, or at least they were at the time I scouted it. It's been a few days. And at the time I scouted it, Marek had two matches in hand on I all Harab. So it's just a fascinatingly race going on there. This won't be the last time we visit it. As always, we will start on this show by talking about the hosts, Hilal Omdurman. Now, Omdurman, that is a city on the northwest bank of the Nile opposite Khartoum, which is the capital. That said, it's actually Omdurman that's a bit bigger, two and a half million people in that metro. And it's part of a tri-city area overall, very fascinating to look at on a map. Bahri is directly to the east across another section of the Nile or one of its tributaries, and that is in turn north of Khartoum. Basically, you've got this tri-city area, and they are all separated by sections of the Blue and White Nile rivers. The club, they are known as the Blue Wave. The club's name, you know, Omdurman now, Hilal is Arabic for crescent, which as I understand in Islam is a uh, attributed to meaning the greatness of the creator. That's the best way I can put it, I suppose, as somebody who's not an expert in that particular theology. Footy-wise, this team is your historical powerhouse of the, of the country. 29 league titles since 1965. They are also your current power. They are the two-time defending champions. Twice they have managed to get all the way to the finals, but never won the Champions League in Africa. And it's been a while since they've gone that far, 1992. They've only gotten as far as the group stage the last three years. This year in league play, two and two-thirds goals. That is number one by lots in this particular league. They've got a top two defense to go with it and have the number one goal differential by a factor of two. Team's current form, they're starting to slip just a little bit. Their only draw and only loss on the season were in the last two matches and both to bottom half of the table teams. But again, those are their only drop points of the season. Can they bounce back at home against such a tough customer like Marek, who are known as the Chief, the Red Devils, or the Glowing Red, if you prefer? I like the sound of that one. The stadiums are only separated, I don't know about how much distance, but by actually only one street. So talk about a rivalry. There are more teams in this Tri-City area, as you would guess, in and around Khartoum and the other non-capital cities in this metro. But these are the two big ones. They finished second place in the Confederations Cup in 2007 internationally. Also, the Champions League, they made it as far as the semifinal in 2015. 19 league titles is how many they've racked up, and they are your other current power. The three titles before the last two that Halal Omdurman won were all won by Marek. Last year, they finished in second place. This year, their offense is lacking a little bit, at the very least in comparison to Hillel Omdurman. Uh, they're in the top third of the league in that regard, getting one and a half goals per game. Number one defense, barely allowing a goal every other match, though, and defense travels. And this particular team's current form is much better than Hillel's right now. They have won four straight matches. Match number B. 
probably for the first time ever in this podcast history, we are going to give Saturday a jump entirely. No matches on that day. We're quite bright and shiny up as things sort of just really start to pick up from the World Cup slash international break, as various people have been calling it. So onward and upward to Sunday for match number B. And in case you're brand new to the show, yes, you heard it right. Number two, I've taught my daughter, dearest person new, that that is bathroom talk, and she has clung to my teaching. God bless her, and I hope that you will do the same thing. Be more couth and use number B in your daily lives. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B comes from the French top flight League One, which is the number five ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they get two teams that will get started in the Champions League group stage. They don't quite max it out like the top four teams would, or top four leagues, I should say, on the continent. They do get a third team into the Champions League. They will have to start back at the third qualifying round. One will start in the Europa League group stage, and then the relatively new Europa Conference League. They will also get to place a team in the playoff round for that. Your matchup currently number B in the table, Lance. I always thought it was pronounced Lens. That's the way it would look phonetically. It's spelled L-E-N-S, like a lens in your glasses. They are playing host to number one PSG this weekend. PSG currently lead them by five. Uh, Lance, in turn, they lead number three, Ren. It looks like Renes, R-E-N-N-E-S, by five. The series between these two, the last couple three seasons, has largely been in PSG's favor. They've accrued a 5 3 and 1 record. You can catch this on television here in the States on BN Sports and Espanol. If your satellite or cable package runs deep enough, 2.45 Eastern Time. Let's take a look at Lance. That is a city that is in the far north central part of the country, about a quarter million people there. This was a big uh, coal mining area, but the last one was closed back in the mid-1980s. Teams only ever won the top flight once in their history. That was just before the turn of the century, 1997-1998. Uh, they were actually down at least as far down as uh, League Two fairly recently. They got promoted back to the top flight by finishing in second place in 2019-2020 season. Internationally, they made the semifinal of what is now known as the Europa League back in 1999-2000. That's the best they've ever done. Last year in the league, they finished in seventh place, just missing out on international competition by a notch or two. This year, the defense is really where they're getting their bread butter. They only give up two-thirds of a goal on average per match, and that is second best in the league. The offense is not quite as good. They're tied for fifth in that regard. On the scoring leaderboard for this team with seven on this season is Icoma Loi Openda from Belgium, center forward, just 22 years old, and he's already made six national team appearances for his home country. On the defensive side, I believe they've got the second best goalkeeper in the league statistically, certainly at least in terms of clean sheets, from the Republic of Congo, that is Bryce Samba. Spent the heart of his career with Nottingham Forest uh, between 2019 and 2022, so helped them get promoted, but moved on before they got to appear in the Premier League this year. But the best player I think that they have going tied for number three in the league and assists with five is Florian Satoka, French-born attacking midfielder. Team's current form, they won five straight league matches before the break. They've been playing some friendlies during the break and went 2-1-0 over that moderately short stretch. PSG, if you're a veteran footy fan, there's not much that I can tell you about them that you don't already know. So this is going to be short and for newer burgeoning fans that might have found us because of Noob in our name title. 
PSG, 10 league titles. They are the defending champs, and they are currently undefeated. P is for Paris, S is for Saint, and the G is for Germain. Number one offense by lots, almost three per match. They've also got the best offense in the league, best goal differential by a factor of just over two, and to me that is a key metric. They're going to walk away with the league title again this year more than likely, though the road is always tough. Maybe Lance can get a result. Disagreeing with me on that would probably be league number one score, PSG center forward, Kylian Mbappe, he's netted a dozen already. Number one in assists in the league. Just hit double digits, 10. That is Lionel Messi of, once again, World Cup fame. Congratulations to him and Argentina on taking the title. He plays right wing for them. Opposite him on the left wing is another international superstar, Neymar. He is number one in the league in goals plus assists. He's got an astounding 20 for that metric on the year. How do you stop them? Eh, you probably don't. Teams current form, they won nine straight across all competitions and friendlies. Match number three. Back to Africa we go for more Sunday action. Say hello to the Premier League in Ghana. It's ranked number 28 on the African continent. That's just a little bit below average. The season's a little bit fresher. They are only a quarter of the way through their season. Your matchup is just as good, though. Number one, Adjuana Stars playing host to number B, Asante Kotoko. Right now, the Stars lead Kotoko by two points. Uh, In turn, Kotoko lead number three, Hearts of Oak, and two other teams by just one point in the table. The very recent series between these two has been dead even at 1-2-1. and Adjuana Stars, they actually play out of a city called Dorma, and I hope I'm getting that right. It ends in two A's. Ahinkro. It is in the west southwest part of the country in the state of Bono or Bono. I'm I'm assuming I didn't check that that is not named after the U2 lead singer. I know he's done a lot of humanitarian work down there. That would really be something, though. It's a city of about a million people, and they are known as the Fire or Ogya in a local language. Now, Aduana, that name is the name of a local clan or tribe with a really interesting uh, sort of mytho history. It's believed that they were led out of the ground in ancient times by a dog with fire in its mouth. And that is actually depicted right on the crest. It's very cool. Footy-wise, the team has won two league titles, most recently in 2017. Twice they've been to the Champions League appearance, uh, Champions League. They've never been past the first round. Last year, they didn't get anywhere particularly close, only finished in 11th place. This year, they've got the second best offense, getting one and a third goals per match. It's not a terribly high scoring league for the most part. Now, the defense, they've only got a top seven one in that regard in the ordinal rank, but don't read too much into that. Uh, First of all, they're part of a four-way tie on goal differential, so it's going to take a while for that metric to be very meaningful. But also something that I've never quite seen like this before, even moderately early in a season, maybe seven or eight uh, matches in. If you take out the best and worst teams defensively, all the teams in the league have given up between six and 10 goals. Ah, here's though, that's in nine matches, just a shade further on than I thought. Offensively, key player to look for, number one league scorer with five is Bright Ajay. Team's current form, they are 2-0-2 in their last four. And no, Asante Kotoko, they play out of the city of Kumasi. That is the second biggest one in the country, about three and a half million. It's also in the south, uh, southwest central 
part of the country. So not exactly neighbors, but not too terribly far apart. And they've got one of the other most interesting crests in the country, if not necessarily all of Africa, based on their name, the Porcupine Warriors. In fact, that is what Kotoko means, is I believe Porcupine. 24 league titles. That is the most in the nation's history, and they are your defending champions. They've won the Champions League twice, though it's been a minute. 1983 was the last time. Over the last decade, they've made several appearances but haven't gotten past the first round. This league has lost a little bit of its luster this particular century. 2004, by the way, they also made the final of the Confederations Cup. I mentioned that two, uh, two matches ago. In case you're not familiar with it, that's their equivalent of the Europa League, the second-best international club tournament on the continent. Their defense tied for number 11 is all. But again, as I mentioned earlier, that's not too meaningful yet. They've got the best offense going, managing nearly a goal and a half per match. Tied for number three in league scoring for them with three on the year so far as Nicholas Mensa, just 19 years old. I wonder if they might not be selling him to uh, either someplace in South Africa or in the northern part of the continent before too terribly long. Also tied with him for three on the season is Ugandan product Stephen Mukwala. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Match number four. Same day, different country. Match number four takes us to the Premier League in Israel, which is the 20th ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they get one Champions League berth into the second qualifying round, so kind of the middle of the qualifying rounds. And then three teams to the Europa Conference League, all in the second qualifying round as well. They're just over halfway through the season, a little bit further than some of the big leagues over in Western Europe. Your big-time matcher from there this week is number one, Maccabi Haifa, versus number three, Hapoel Be'er Sheva. Take a look at the table. Uh, Maccabi Haifa, they are at 39, and then... Maccabi Tel Aviv and the team we're talking about here is the visitors, Hapoel Beersheba. They are at 35, so a nice healthy four-point lead, but a road mild upset here for Hapoel Sheva could be a really big deal to tighten up the race. And by the way, this is a three-horse race. Number four, Hapoel uh, Jerusalem. They are 10 more points back at 25. When they played earlier this season, Maccabi uh, Haifa got the road win one to two. As far as the series between these two, it is also Maccabee that have had the advantage, accruing a 21-17 and 13 record, oh, probably <laughs> over the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. That's a lot of games, isn't it, person new? Yeah. And I've invited you on for this particular one because that's all that we're going to say about this particular match. Normally, this is the time of show where we get a prediction from Noobstradamus, but he's on a bit of a hiatus. We've had trouble reaching him over there on the Thracian Plains of Greece. I certainly hope nothing amiss has happened to him. I know that the uh, Fresca and uh, loose expired prescription pills that we send him, none of those have gotten returned. So pretty sure that he's still with us, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, if he's 3,500 years old, he should make 3,600 pretty easy, right? Yeah, he might be immortal. I don't even know. Pretty crazy. So instead of doing that, what have we been doing the last couple of weeks or so? Aminal segment. Usually, actually 100% of the time so far, it's been some sort of uh, endangered or even critically endangered animal. And I let you pick that. Well, of course, I've let you pick before. But what kind of animal did you decide that we were going to do this week? A soft shell turtle. Yeah, and now there's a lot of types of those from around the world, at least several. But there's one particular one that is native to portions of uh, Africa 
and uh, parts of the Levant and uh, the Mediterranean countries, the Near East, and you know some of southeastern Europe. So, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a particular kind that we're not going to go bother into the taxonomy of, but there's a particular kind that one of the three hotspots that it's found is in the Jordanian River, or Alexandrian River system, rather, in Israel. And why did you pick this particular animal? Because it's a turtle. <laughs> I, I didn't know you had a things for the turtles in general. Is there something special about turtles for you? Turtles, they're just turtles. Uh, very philosophic. Turtles. Yeah, turtles are turtles. I like turtles. I think you should write a song and play it on your ukulele. Maybe my I next like week. turtles. <laughs> turtles are turtles. So let's talk about the soft-shelled turtle. Now, it's is it really soft all the way through, or what can you tell us about it physically? Uh, the shell is covered with the layer of like smooth skin, and it makes it look soft. Makes it look soft, but I think if it's like other soft-shell turtles that I read about, it's got, um, if not really, really hard scales, it does have some sort of bone or very hard surface underneath. So the softness is really more of a look, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, what else can you tell us about the turtle to start out? Uh, it's usually the color of like uh, dirt or mud, since they usually hide in it a lot. They, they also hide underwater. Okay, anything special about them they can do when they're underwater? Uh, they have very long necks, uh, so they can peek above water without like moving their body. Yeah, that's unusual for a turtle, isn't it? What else is cool about this turtle? Uh, they have membraned feet, and they're excellent swimmers. Nice. And how about, uh, what kind of stuff do they eat, and how do they get to it? Uh, they have three claws. You see mollusks and other amphibians. Uh-huh. What else are the claws good for? Uh... Uh, to climb vegetation or banks, they eat. They also eat plants and nuts. I see. So they can uh, try to find stuff in the water, the mollusks, or out of the water. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, when found in Africa, the biggest turtle species is almost three feet long. And females are much longer than males. That's pretty cool. So it's not necessarily the biggest turtle in Europe or the whole world, but the biggest where it's originally from in Africa. Yep. Okay, how did it get from Africa uh, originally uh, up into the up to where it is now? Uh, well, it made its way from Africa through Nile Delta and the Mediterranean. Wow, I wonder if it's... I can't believe they would have swam straight across the Mediterranean. They must have kind of worked their way around the Mediterranean and over to Israel and some of the other areas. And are there a whole lot of them? Uh, there, there's probably less than 500 of them. Yeah, at least in the Mediterranean basin. I think you're right. Uh, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature says critically endangered biggest threats is stabilizing of riverbanks. The stabilizing of riverbanks. That's an unusual threat. Normally you think of other things that might be number one, but why is uh, the, uh, the idea that they're stabilizing riverbanks, making them more solid, why is that so bad for the turtles? Uh, that restricts access to some nesting areas, floods, uh, floods, and, and it floods. It floods some places and blocks them from getting to other places. Okay, what else are threats to the turtles? Uh, pollution and garbage. Yeah, garbage attracts more predators than uh, that eat turtles' eggs. Oh, so not only do they have predators, but if there's a lot of garbage around the turtles, it attracts more predators and then they go chompo. 
You chomp their eggs. Oh, chomp on the eggs. That's not good. Uh, some areas are hunted for food, but not Israel. Okay, so Israel, they don't like soft turtle shell soup or something, but maybe some other places. All right, well, what are some of the areas that, uh, who, are some, who are some of the people that are trying to help out these uh, super cute turtles? Uh, the Ministry of Environmental Protection. Okay, over in Israel, sure. Who Is else? Israel Nature and Parks Authority. And in Effect Nature Reserve. Yeah, that was a really big one that I read about too, the Ain Effect Nature Reserve. And it's really hard to spell E-I-N space A-F-E-K. So if anybody's looking for a way to help these particular turtles in that particular area of the world, Israel, that would probably be the place to Google up. But uh, there are really soft-shell turtles found all over, all over the world, including here in the Americas. And I think the odds on bet is that some of them probably aren't doing super well. So there are probably ways that people can Google up and make donations to park reserves and organizations to help soft-shell turtles right here near to home too, aren't there? Mm -hmm. And on a scale of one to, oh my goodness, how cute are the soft-shell turtles? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's the top rating. Oh, I even said it twice. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, telling us all about these super cute animals. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because not only do we like to learn about soccer, what else do we like to do? Aminals. Aminals, yes. We and as I like to say, we like to learn about the whole world through the lens of soccer. Hope everybody enjoyed that. I know we did. Aminals. Match number five. That was it for your weekend, but the weekdays are just going to keep on getting exciting. Monday, we've actually got several matches that are looking oh so good. Number five comes from the Premier League of Scotland, which is now welcome to the top 10, the number nine ranked league in all of Europe. One of their teams, the champion, of course, will go to the Champions League group stage. Now the second one will get to go as well to the playoff round. And then they will send two teams to the Europa Conference League. Like most of Western Europe, they're a little over halfway through the season. Your matchup is a true classic in every sense of the world. Uh, word, the most classic one in the world, most would argue, and probably correctly. Number B, Rangers, taking on number one, Celtic. This is known as the Old Firm Derby over there. Now, to be honest, it's not much of a race. Celtic currently lead Rangers by nine in the table. Rangers, they lead a pair of teams by 17. These are going to be your number one and number B finishers. Obviously, Rangers have to defend their home turf if they're even going to make a race out of it. When they played earlier this season, Celtic was going to have none of that. They won 4-0. Series between these two in recent years, Celtic have had the advantage 22, 17, and 13 their record. But as hosts, we start with the Rangers, who play in the southwest part of Glasgow, a suburb called uh, Govan, G O V A N. Historically, this is a big shipbuilding area. I believe they built over 3,000, uh, or at the very least, in a particular class. And it's still a shipbuilding place today, if not quite the capital of that as it once was. They're considered the number 30 ranked club in all of Europe. They've won 55 league titles, but when you've been around for, oh, probably starting to flirt with 150 years, that'll happen. 2020-21 was the last time they won it, and that was their first title in a decade. I'll bet you'll never guess who had been winning all the other ones. We'll find out soon. Internationally, the Europa League, they finished in second place twice, including last year. That's the best that they've ever done. They've lost all of their Champions League matches in the group stage this year. 
In the modern era of international play, since uh, the early mid 2000s, 2005, 2006, they made the Champions League round of 16, best that they have done. Last year, they finished in second place. This year, they are second best statistically across the board. They've got the third best league score with 11 on the year in Antonio Mirko. Kolak, he's Croatian, plays striker for them. He just came over, I believe, within the last couple of months from PAOK, one of the big three clubs over in Greece. Tied for second best in league assists is Englishman left winger Ryan Kent. Liverpool had him, but loaned him out a lot in the years that they had his rights, 2015 through 19. The best player in the league, in my opinion, belongs to them, and that is another English guy. Plays right back, uh, James uh, Tavernier. Six goals, five assists. He is an accurate volume passer. Don't be fooled by the defensive designation of his position. This is a guy with a lot of offensive responsibility and power. We've got a USA connection to a couple of them. Cornerback James, or center back rather, James Sands. He came over last year from NYCFC. Seven national team appearances to his credit. And then also Malik Tillman attacking a midfielder. Three goals, four assists. He is a loanee from Bayern Munich and due for a recall in the summer. Be interesting to see how that plays out. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last six and have won four straight. Celtic, they are also from Glasgow. They're... Uh, supporters tend to be more in the northern portion of the metro area. 52 league titles, and they are your defending champions. They've won every single title since 2011-12, other than the Rangers title from just two years ago. They won the now Champions League one different time and played under a different name back in 1966-67. This year they were also in it. They finished last place in the group stage, though, and that ended their international campaign. Here in the modern era for international play, they made the round of 16 as their best ever finish. That was in 2015-16. They're getting over three goals per match and have the number one defense as well. League leading score for them is a Japanese international. Forward Kyogo Furuhashi, number one in league assists for them with eight. Matt O'Reilly, Danish person. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't think of what DEN stood for for just a moment. Wow. Yeah, from Denmark, midfielder, 22 years old. He's actually English-born, but he represents internationally for Denmark. He's got some family lineage there. He actually played at a couple of the youth national team levels for England before switching over to Denmark. I think he realized he wasn't going to get any senior time in all likelihood. And in goal for them with seven clean sheets on the air, that is best in the league, Joe Hart. Spent the heart of his career with Man City. And time for a USA connection. Cameron Carter-Vickers plays center back for them. He came up with dreaded Tottenham Hotspurs. This shows least favorite English teams, but that's okay. We won't hold that against Cameron too much. He never actually made any senior appearances with Tottenham, and he was always loaned out uh, when he was over there before he came here. And he's made 12 national team appearances for the U.S. since 2017. That team's current form, they have won three straight matches. 
On the first day of Christmas, I gave to my kitties a recap of last week's matches. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme. Oh, well. Match number one last week from the Scottish Championship on Friday. Number one, Air United played number B, Dundee FC. And the result was a Dundee FC win on the road, nil to two. It's a fascinating game. Dundee got a red card early, and then there came a second half red for Air, and then Dundee got both their goals. That moves Dundee up to one. Congratulations and drops air all the way down to number three. Match number B from the Premier League in Wales. Number B, Connors Quay, took on number one TNS, and they managed a 1-1 draw at home. There was a first half red card for TNS, and then an early second half goal for the Nomads. And then the Nomads got a red card in the 91st minute, and then TNS scored the equalizer four minutes later. Unbelievable. No change in the table there. Match number three from Indonesia's Liga 1, perhaps the greatest race going in the world. Number B, Borneo Samarinda took on number one, PSM Makassar. They played to a 1-1 draw. Makassar got a second half red, and yet then after that, scored their equalizer. This knocked Borneo Samarinda all the way down to number four. Like I said, things are very tight there with uh, four, five, maybe even six teams. Match number four from the Chinese Super League. Number four, Shanghai Port took on number B, Shandong Kaishan in the second to last match week of their regular season. The result was a 2-0 win for Shanghai Port. No change in the table. By the way, regarding that race, number one, Wuhan Three Towns, our favorite Chinese Super League team here, because it's fun to say, Wuhan Three Towns also lost their match. So I believe they are still tied on points in the table, but Li Shandong Taishan on goal differential Goal differential alone with only one match to go. Saturday, match number five in the AFF Cup. Singapore took on Myanmar and scored a 3-2 win. Singapore star Ilhan Fandi got the first goal for Myanmar. Their star came out to play as well. Mong Wong Nguyen got a brace. Singapore are in third place in the group in a three-way tie for first, though, but it's goal differential and or head-to-head to have them in third. Myanmar are in fourth place now in a two-way tie for last. Sunday, match number six from the Premier League of Libya. Number B, Al-Ali Tripoli took on number one Al-Idihad. They played to a nil-nil draw based on other results that knocked Tripoli down to third place. Monday, match number seven from Bahrain's Premier League. Number one, Muharak took on number three, Akhalidia. They played to a 1-1 draw. That was actually enough to move Akhalidia uh, up to number B on goal differential. Match number eight from the French League Two. Number one, La Havre took on number B, Bordeaux. La Havre defended their home turf 1-0. Bordeaux fell down to third place. Match number nine from the Saudi Arabian Pro League. The top light there, number one, Al Nasser. Versus number three, Al-Hilal, and they played to a 2-2 draw for Hilal. Odeon Ighalo had a goal, one of their stars, and for Al-Nasser, one of their biggest stars, at least until two games from now, when Cristiano Ronaldo joins the ranks, Anderson Taliska had a goal as well. Thursday, match number 10 from Spain's La Liga. Number six, Real Betis took on number four, Athletic Club Bilbao. They played to a nil-nil draw. That was actually enough to move uh, Athletic Club up to fifth place. So from an ECL spot to Europa League spot. And now, your bonus match was explanations coming from these later. 
The route of the week was Wednesday match from the Premier League in Benin. Number one, Dajay took on number nine, Solil, from Group B, one of their two groups. Dajay came out on top 1-0, so it was hardly a route, but they did get the W. And uh, Dajay actually went down to number two on goal differential. The team right behind them won by a whole bunch, apparently. Your most meaningless match in the world was the Sunday match from the African nation of Guinea in their league one. Number eight, Kaloum Star took on number seven, Renaissance. They played two and oh so meaningless nil-nil draw. Although there was a tiny bit of meaning, they each managed to climb one spot in the table by earning a point. And then finally, your match of disappointed a Wednesday match from Greece's Super League between the bottom two. Number 13, Lavadiakos took on number 14, Ionikos. And Lavadios, uh, Lavadiakos rather, actually managed to find the back of the net. They scored a 1-0 win, their star, or not their star rather, but the guy who we pointed out as their most disappointing player. Konstantinos Domtsios got his first goal of the season as a striker. It took 40% of the season getting played nearly to get there. Congratulations to him. Maybe he heard about our show and then we were making fun of him. Uh, Ionis's goalkeeper, Lefteris Chotesiotis, he had the best statistical ranking, according to FOTMOB, of anybody on his team. And he was the guy for that team that we said had been having the worst season. So, our men of disappointedness actually came through. And by the way, the three points moved uh, Lavadiakos up to, for the moment, number 12 and out of the relegation zone. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back into covering the upcoming week's matches with match number six. I said earlier that we bounce around quite a bit geographically, but this time the bounce is just a little tiny hop. We're going to skip on over to Northern Ireland's Premiership. That is the number 44 ranked league in all of UEFA. That's down, down two from a year ago. They got passed by the likes of Liechtenstein and Faroe Islands. So we are deep down in the coefficients. As such, they only get one team to the Champions League. That team will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. And then they'll send, I believe, three total teams to the Europa Conference League. This particular matchup is number three, Cliftonville, taking on number one, Larna. Here's a look at the table. Larna currently have 45 points. And then number B, Linfield and Cliftonville. They are tied on points at 42. And then number four, Crusaders, they're not entirely out of the race. They've got 39 when these two played at Larna earlier this season, it was the host coming out on top 4-0. Series between these two has been pretty even, though. Cliftonville has had a slight edge with a 5-4-4 and record. Cliftonville, that is a suburb in the northern metro of Belfast, the capital of the country. It's actually a ward of the Old Park District. Things are organized a little differently there. The club is 143 years old. That makes it the oldest club in all of Ireland, meaning the Republic of and Northern Ireland both. And they have played at the same grounds for just about an unthinkable amount of time. Solitude since 1890, which I think is great. But what really disappoints me is that somebody hasn't dumped some money in there, kind of like, oh, I don't know, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney with Wrexham over in the fifth tier over in England and renamed it the Fortress of solitude and done some, th- some things on the outside to make it look like a giant a- ice castle from the uh, what late 1970s or 1980s uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movie. 
Oh yeah, football. That's what we were talking about. I mentioned earlier one of the Scottish teams that was ranked number thirty. Well, Cliftonville is ranked number three hundred eighty-one in Europe as of this last summer. Anyway, I doubt there's been too much change since then. Just to give you a little bit of perspective on the sides and overall abilities of the league of the leagues and their teams. Over here, they have won five league titles. Last one was two thousand thirteen fourteen. Two of the five were actually more than a hundred years ago. They've only ever won two two-legged ties in international competition. 2016-17 in the Europa League, they got past the first round by beating Luxembourg's Differdange 03, which is actually, there's a better Luxembourgian team named Differdange, but they've got a different number that follows. So this one's actually now in the second division. This year internationally, they were in the Europa Conference League, lost in the first qualifying round 1-5 to to Dunajska Strata from Slovakia. They got to play in that tournament by finishing second place in the league last year. By being number three in the table right now, they're punching just a little bit ahead of their weight as far as the stats would indicate. They've only got the fourth best offense and the defense is actually barely average. They give up one and a quarter goals per match. Uh, Goal differential overall is number six. Based on that, I don't like them to be able to hold on to the position. At home, they're certainly worthy of getting a result. They've got the top three uh, scorer in the league in Ryan Curran. He plays center forward for them. He's netted just one shy of a dozen. He's spent his whole career in uh, Northern Ireland and in uh, the top flight over in the Republic of Ireland. Teams current form, they are 2-1-1 one, one in their last three. Their last match was the loss of those. They lost 3-0 at Crusaders. And now Larna. That is a city in the east-northeast uh, coastal part of the country. It has maybe just 20,000, but there's several other uh, cities around it, I think, of similar sizes. So the metro area is a little bit more uh, established. It's a big passenger port area, and also a lot of the industrial boats that come through uh, freight boats, I should say. It's famous for being a big roll-on, roll-off part. Basically, if you're driving a car that wasn't built in the Republic of or Northern Ireland, it probably came off a ship right here in this fairly small town. One other thing I found out that the area is famous for, if not quite Larna proper, about five miles away, there's a little hamlet called uh, Magair. <laughs> That's a long one. I should have practiced Magaramorn, where Game of Thrones was largely filmed. So if you're a big fan of that series, then you have seen this little hamlet in the greater Larna area. This is the number 370 ranked club as of last summer. They came back to Division I after having been uh, demoted to D2 or relegated. Uh, it came back in 2018-19. They won the second division. That was their only ever senior team men's title. They were actually relegated all the way back in 2007-2008, but not for performance on the field. The league had uh, expanded a little bit and changed names, and they had upped their standards a little bit. I suspect it had to do with either how many they were able to see to their stadium or some things related to the safety. So they had to get those things fixed before they could start earning their way back up. They've had a lot more luck in cup competitions domestically than they have ever had in league. Six times they have uh, won the FA Cup and they are the uh, two-time League Cup runner-up finishers. And those are records in both regard. And I need to make a correction. They've never won either of those. They finished second place 
in the FA Cup six different times and then twice in the League Cup, which is the tertiary tournament. Last year in league play, they finished in fifth place. This year, statistically, they are second best on all both offense and defense and have the number one goal differential. This is definitely your favorite to win the league. On a side note, by the way, on goal differential, I wonder if they're going to be able to make a run at some point. The second best goal differential, which is very close to them, actually belongs to Glen Turin, which is only currently sixth place in the table. Back to Larna. They've got the fourth best scorer in the league on their roster. He's netted 10 so far. 22-year-old native Paul O'Neill, who last played for Cliftonville. This team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. They just suffered a really bad draw at home, a scoreless one, versus number nine in the league, Carrick Rangers. Match number seven. We flip the calendar page to Tuesday, and oh, it has been so long since we've been able to talk about the Premier League in England, the number one league in the world, at least according to the UEFA coefficients. And your matchup is a grand one. Number one in the table, Arsenal, taking on number three, Rising Powers, Newcastle. Take a look at the table. Arsenal, 40 points. Man City, 35 points. Newcastle 33, and then dreaded Tottenham Hotspurs. They are back at 30, where we hope they will stay forever and ever. <laughs> Series between these two has been all Arsenal, a 19-2-3 record. Newcastle are very new to this kind of success, pun not intended, because they were recently bought just uh, over a year ago basically by the country of Saudi Arabia. So they're all of a sudden they're playing with monopoly money and it looks like they are up at the top to stay at least this year. We'll take a look at them and see if their performance is a little flukish or not in a minute or two. You can catch this one, by the way, on the USA network here at 1.45 Eastern time of the U.S. Arsenal, the Gunners, who play out of the northern inner London town of Islington. Last year, as I last saw it, they were ranked number 14 of all UEFA clubs. They have won the league title 13 times, but it's been almost 20 years. 2003-2004 was the last time they got to hold that trophy. They're about to play in the Europa League's round of 16, and that, I believe, is the best they've done in a while. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, their statistics state they're exactly where they should be for the most part. They've got the second best offense, defense, and goal differential going. Second best in assists in the league. This has been part of their big youth movement. Uh, Englishman Bukaya Saka, six assists on the year, just 21 years old, plays winger. And despite his very young age, already has 24 national team caps. This is not a guy who is merely a flash in the pan. The best player I believe that they have going is Martin Odegaard. He doesn't get quite as much talk as some of the others, but his game is very well balanced on the offensive side anyway. He's from Norway, by the way, plays attacking midfielder. He's got six goals and four assists. Doesn't track back on defense a whole bunch. That's not what they ask of him, but he does help get the offense going. And he four assists is you know pretty good for this time of year, but he's really the guy who gets the offense started. Amazing dribbling success rate. And we do have a USA connection in goal, at least probably more for cup competitions in league. In league, he's the backup. Matt Turner, your starter from the U.S. men's national team, came over last year from Philadelphia Union. Team's current form, they are 4-0-1 in their last five. And now Newcastle. 
the area of uh, Newcastle on Tyne, where they are from, if you include some of the other areas around the Connor Basin, they've got about three quarters of a million people there, including from the western part of that, those who are known as the Geordies. And I just love the dialect. I'm a bit of a linguistic and language nerd in general. And what I have learned recently is that it's the Geordie dialect, if you go back historically, is far more likely than anything else you'll run into in the UK for how Anglo-Saxons used to sound. Based on where they are and a little bit of you know isolationism, or uh, geographically at least, their language has been corrupted a lot less by foreign languages, like French, for example, than a lot of the other dialects in the UK. There, now back to the footy. They are known as the Magpies, and they are coached by former AFC Bournemouth manager Eddie Howe. Given that that is person noobs in my very favorite Premier League team, he is something of a hero to us. So hard for us to pick a favorite for this particular match. We like both. The team has won four straight titles, but it's been nearly a century since their last one. 2012-2013, they made the Europa League quarterfinal, and that's the best they've ever done internationally. They haven't even sniffed the Champions League in almost 20 years. Last year, they finished in 11th place, but now they've been spending that oil money and they've got a top four offense, averaging exactly two goals per match. But it's the defense that is going to potentially lift them towards the title. They've only given up 11 in their 16 matches thus far. Goal differential is top three, so they are not here by a fluke. This team is here to stay, at the very least this year. Top five in scoring for the league is a name that MLS fans will know well. He's netted nine so far. Miguel Almarone, Paraguayan fellow, plays attacking midfielder for them, came over from Atlanta United in 2019. And by the way, he's also almost got 50 national team caps back home as well. But I believe their best player, and is on the assist leaderboard for the league with four, is Karen Trippier. Plays right back for them. He is the one that really anchors this defense to take nothing away from their goalkeeper. But the guy's got nearly an 80% tackle rate. That's amongst the best two or three that I have seen in my 15 months of putting together this show. It's been a uh, guy that uh, is also key to them, of course, is the goalkeeper. Nick Pope. He's got eight clean sheets on the year, and that's the best of the in the league. He spent the heart of his career with Burnley. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in 15, and they have won five straight matches. Match number eight. Your other Tuesday match takes us to South Asia for the AFF Cup. I won't go into detail about what AFF stands for. What you need to know is that this is the championship for anywhere from 10 to 12 teams, depending on how many enter from South Asia. The AFF is a sub-federation within the overall AFC, the Asian Confederation. There are four or five of these within the AFC. They each have their own standalone cup. This is not a qualifier for any other international events. It's particularly important for the teams that are a part of the AFF because it is the weakest of the sub-federations in all of Asia. So this is a chance for their teams to play in matches that they have a much better chance of being consistently competitive in. Again, it's a biennial one. There are 10 teams taking part in the group stage. So they've been divided into two groups of five, playing a single round robin. The top two from each of the groups will advance. The two teams, I know I've talked about one recently or the other one at the very least fairly recently. Number three in the group 
uh, is Malaysia, and number B is Singapore. To look at their table, Vietnam and Singapore are tied on points at seven, and then Malaysia is only one point back at six. The other two teams of the group have been mathematically eliminated. We're going to get more chances to visit one or both of these teams as they head into the semifinals and then even potentially the finals. That's all I'm going to say about this particular one for now, but I wanted to acknowledge that this very intriguing event is at least still underway and in its group stage. Match number nine. The first of our two Wednesday matches comes from Serie A, the top flight over in Italy, which is the fourth ranked league in UEFA. As such, they max out on European tournament berths. All four of their top teams at the end of the season will have qualified for next year's Champions League group stage. Plus, they'll send one to the group stage of the Europa League and yet another to the playoff round of the Europa Conference League. The week's big matchup from there is number five, Internacional Milan, or colloquially known simply as Inter, versus number one, Napoli. Here's how the table looks. Inter trailed number four, Lazio, by three on goal differential. So they're tied on points. Uh, effectively, they're in a tie for that very last Champions League berth with just a touch over half the season ago. Napoli, on the other hand, have a little bit of breathing room. They lead number B, Milan, which is not Inter Milan, the other Milan, by eight. The series between these two has been very even the last several years. This is the first time they're playing this year, but in recent seasons, Napoli have accrued an 11-10-9 record. And that's all you're going to get to learn about this week's match. Isn't that right, person noob? Yeah. Yeah, now normally this is the time of show where my tummy starts to get a little rumbly. How about yours? A little bit. A little bit. You start to get a little peckish in need of a snack, and maybe it's uh, torturous or maybe it helps to do what we usually do and talk about a recipe from the place where the home team is you know, hosting. But not this particular week. I thought, you know what, person noob? It would be too easy to pick some great recipe from Italy. Everybody knows Italian. Italian food by and large in some capacity, unless the only place I've ever gone is like Olive Garden. This week's episode is not brought to you by Olive Garden. Olive Garden, fake Italian food for you and your family. How did that sound? Pretty cool. Should we have a different sponsor? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, who who do you usually say should sponsor? Subway. Subway, but that's not... (laughs) That's not Italian either. That's the opposite of Italian. That's that's sugared bread and barely real meat. This week's episode is also not brought to you by Subway. Subway, soon to send us a cease and desist letter. Subway, eat fresh. Eat Subway. (laughs) Sure, why not? But instead of doing food, sometimes we do uh, art, architecture, various things like that. We call this our culture break. And this particular week, guess what we're going to look at? We've never done it before. Fashion. You better work, cover girl, supermodel of the world. Okay, you're not nearly old enough to remember that song, RuPaul. That's okay. Um, there are four fashion capitals of the world. Milan, Italy is one. Can you name any of the other three? Uh, London, Paris, Ooh. New York. Oh, she named all other three. Now, if I had asked you all four of them before we talked about Italy, would you have known Milan was the fourth one? Wow, that's still very, very impressive. Good job by you. So Milan is just about to have one of their two fashion weeks. Every year they have one in September where they show off the upcoming, I believe, uh, fall and winter stylings uh, from major designers. And then in January, they're going to have a new one in just a few days. They'll do it for the opposite part of the year. You'll see their spring and summer lines coming out. Now, I had a hard time finding any previews 
uh, for the spring and summer line. They must keep that hush-hush, uh, either that or I'm not great at Googling fashion yet. Am I a fashionable person, person noob? No. no? You don't like you don't like my my blue jeans and my my t-shirt from church. No. I mean it's a nice t-shirt, but yeah. I guess it's not really fat. What about what you're wearing? I'm wearing pajamas. Yeah. Are those purple or black? I'm slightly colorblind. Oh, they're very very dark blue with colorful stars all over. Yeah. You are certain, and you've got the long legs. Maybe uh, maybe you've continued to take over. Uh, you know you know take. You know, take on some of your physical characteristics like your height from your grand from your granddad's side. Who knows? Maybe you'll be able to walk the catwalk, walk the runway someday in Shaw Fashions. This is an audio format, but she's doing lots of posing right now, even as she chews on her on her pajama top, which I think okay. means she's tired. So we'll get into it. All right. So I couldn't find a preview for what was coming up in just a few days. So instead, what I've done is I've taken a look at some of the designers' offerings, uh, a, sort of an encapsulation of them uh, from last September's event. And I want to get your opinion. Now, person new, have you seen these pictures before? No. All right. So I picked a couple of the crazier ones because fashion weeks tend to show outlandish stuff that virtually nobody would ever wear in real life, as it turns out. So the first one that we're going to talk about from fashion week last September is Gucci. You want to read this part or should I? Okay, Alessandro Michelle based his collection, Twinsburg, on the magic of twins. Street casting, 68 identical twins to model it. And here they show, and they're very, very attractive people, I think. They show pairs of twins all wearing the exact same clothes. How would you best describe some of these outfits that you're seeing, person new? Uh, the first one is like pants, but like they have like the cuffy little like bottoms. Oh, with really weird high heels. Uh, and then I have like this like sort of like button up like cartoonish shirt uh, with like a little like blue and black tie. The other one has um, like a, a square pattern sh uh, jacket with white shirt, tie, very baggy pants. Very Next bad pants. <laughs> they look like hammer pants. Do you know what hammer pants are? Yeah, they look like they look like black leathery satiny. Um, hammer pants. That would be the best way to put it. Now, of all the things that you're seeing here, could you possibly imagine any other setting than at one of these fabulous uh, model fashion shows that anybody would wear these at home or in public? No. They look pretty crazy, don't they? The reason this guy, uh, the Gucci designer, said that he did it this way, Alessandro Michel, was he wanted to show the same clothes emanate different qualities on seemingly identical bodies. Wow, that's, that's really deep. That touches you right here in, in the heart. He's doing noble work to show that clothes might look different on people that look quite the same. Thanks. It's pretty crazy. And the duality of personality. Yeah, those are, those are absolutely ridiculous. But now, get ready for the even crazier one from Moschino. Milan's most reliable arbiter of convivial couture, Jeremy Scott, has formed for subverting the norm for Moschino. This season, it was local leisure center by way of the Riviera chic, all hyphenated. Oh my. Describe to the people, person noob, daughter dears, what it is you're seeing on these on these outfits. Uh, well, one of them is like a bunch of like floaties with like a big like rainbow sheet from like preschool. Oh, whenever you like take like the little balls and like you shoot them up, just like wrapped around with a bunch of uh, pool floaties. On yeah, it. two. Yeah, two of the three have like one's a turtle and one's a cat. I mean, one's a I think a donkey. 
I can't even tell what the very first ones are. Something pink and something yellow. It looks like a cross between a minion and a, a, a pony of Equestria, maybe. I mean, they're, they're, they don't just kind of look like floaties. Those are, they're wearing inflatables just around crazy colored and crazy bottomed dresses. Cool inflatable floaties. Can you believe how much, but these people make more money than you, uh, you and I probably ever see in our lifetime. <laughs> Inflatables. You've probably got some stuff you could model on the runway uh, in a box somewhere waiting to be worn this summer right now, don't you? you uh, do you have floaties? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think you've got some. We might have some arm floaties from when you were a little bit younger before you knew how to swim. But isn't that incredible um, on, a, on a scale of one to, oh, my goodness. How would you rate these, everything you've seen? Um, if oh, my goodness is the weirdest thing. Oh, my Goodness. It's pretty weird. We're originally from the Midwest. We're not that far from the Midwest, and this is definitely not our deal, is it? But we learned a little bit, didn't we? Yeah. And that's the whole point of the show, learn learning the, the world through the lens of soccer. And also that people Yes, we're weird for doing the soccer we do. They're definitely weird, unless they're all about to jump in pools. Well, it would still be weird, but at least they might survive it. Maybe. Thank you for joining us for our review of Milan's 2022 Fall Fashion Week. Let's just get back into the soccer. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. We saved one of the best races in the world for last, although in part it couldn't be helped because this really sweet matchup is your other Wednesday match. Number 10 is from the First Division of Cyprus. Yeah, it seems like we've been here about every other week at least recently, but again, it's just been one magnificent season for them so far. This is the 21st ranked league in all of Europe. Neither one gets to start in the group stage, but they will be spending, sending rather, two teams to the Champions League. They will start in the third and second qualifying rounds, respectively, and then they'll also get to send two teams to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup is number three, AEK Larnaca, taking on number B, and more familiar to us, they've made a couple of appearances within the last month, Paphos. It's actually a three-way tie for number one in the table on points. These two are led by APOEL Nicosia, and then all three of them lead Aris Limassol by five on points. When these two played earlier in the year, it was Paphos that defended their home turf successfully with a 1-0 win. But AEK have been far the better team in recent seasons. 11-3-5 and is their record against Paphos. AEK Larnaca. The city is on the east coast of the country. It's the third biggest one, only about 150,000, but I believe it's probably got to be growing at a pretty good clip. The port city has grown dramatically in importance in recent history, uh, largely because of what's going on in the northern part of the island, uh, which is de facto controlled by northern Cyprus or in effect, Turkey. Uh, the loss of the port of Famagusta has really caused them to have to use... Uh, this particular one, Larnaca, a lot more. And then double that up with, I'm not sure what caused it, but the closing of the uh, international port in Nicosia has made this a major travel hub. This club was founded in 1994, but it's really much older. It was a merger of two older, smaller clubs. Last year, they finished in second place. That is the fifth time they have finished that high. They have yet to ever win a league title. This year, they got to play in their first ever Champions League, but they lost, and that dropped them down to their third ever appearance in the Europa League group stage, where they finished in third, which is precisely what was necessary not to advance in that event. 
But to get dropped down to the Europa Conference League, they're about to play a team called Dnipro 1, I believe from Ukraine, in the round of 32 in that event. Statistically, it's not a real high-scoring lead. They're, uh, they're a little bit below average ordinarily in that regard, and yet they're only giving up around two-thirds of a goal on average and have the second-best overall goal differential. Their offense is a fair bit better and tied for number three in league scoring is Israeli men left-winger Omri Altman. He's got five on the year. Last year, European fans have a chance to recognize him, sort of a whatever-happened-to-little-mini-segment. He played with Aroca in Portugal over in their Promira Liga, which I think now they're simply calling uh, Liga 1 or something like that. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 10 and have won seven straight matches. And now Paphos, a city on the southwest coast of about 100,000, big tourist resort town, plus out in the rural areas, uh, you get a lot of fruit and tobacco grown in this area, which I would not have guessed, although I'm not sure why. The club was founded in 2014, but just like Larnaca, it was really just the merger of two older clubs. Last year, they finished in sixth place, and that's actually the best they have ever done in the league. I don't think they were bought by anybody new recently and have a big influx of money or anything like that. Could be wrong. Didn't happen to catch it. But they've got the number one offense going. They're the only team in the league scoring over two goals per match, and their defense is good enough that they've got the number one overall goal differential, which would make them, in my opinion, favorites to win the league. They've got the number one league scorer by a landslide with twice as many as anybody else, the singularly named Jairo from Brazil. He's got 12, spent the heart of his career over in Croatia, pretty strong league in Europe uh, with a club called the Hajduk Split. Team's career form, they've won two straight, and that importantly followed a nasty little 0-2-1 stretch that they'd suffered. Bring forth the bonus matches! And this is perhaps my favorite part of the show in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to have a say in what the content was going to be. I put up polls each and every week on Twitter. Soccer Noob USA is my handle, by the way, whether you want to vote or just chat about the sport or say hi to Person Noob, I can pass that along to her. You vote. Glorious content is decided upon. It's dreamy. The first match is one that we dramatically call the route, 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 route. Of, 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 the week, 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 week. And it is a first versus last place match from somewhere in the world, a top light league. We're going to take a look at a match on Thursday from the Egyptian Premier League, which is the second best league in all of Africa. Two of their teams will get to go to the Champions League. They'll also send two to the Confederations Cup. On the other end of the spectrum, equally important for this match, Three teams are going to get relegated, and they're almost a third of the way through the season. The one you have selected is number 16 out of the 18 teams, so it's not quite last place. Pickings were just a little bit slimmer this week for what I was going to post. ENPPI is the name of the team, and they are playing host to almighty continental power number B in the table right now, amazingly, all Ailey. Now, ENPPI, they trailed number 15 all Dakhleya 
and Farco by just one point. So if they can pass either of those teams, that will put them in safety. That's a big if, though. Meanwhile, Al-Daily, they trail number one Zamalek by just four on goal differential. So they are effectively tied. The series between these two teams has been all Al-Daily. Nobody surprised who knows anything about the sport whatsoever. Al-Daily was like the greatest team uh, from Africa in all of the 20th century, and that is still largely true. Uh, 19, four and one. So somehow Ian PPI did get a record and did get a win over there into that record, probably a cup match of some kind. Let's take a look at them first. This is one I don't know much about or didn't until I researched for you. It is a Cairo team, just like all lately founded in 1985. It is, I'm not quite sure if it's directly owned by, but it's at very least directly related to the engineering for the petroleum and process industries company, Ian PPI. This team has actually won the FA Cup title twice. Last time was 2010-2011. 2006, they made their only Champions League appearances, lost in the first playoff round. They did make the semifinals of the Confederation Cup. That's the secondary tournament in Africa in 2009. 2016 was their most recent Confederation Cup appearance, and they made the second round. They've never won the league title, but they actually did manage a runner-up finish back in 2004-2005. They got all this oil money. What is going on that they're down there so close to last place? Last year, they finished in 13th, so just a little bit better than they are now. This year, they've got just one win on the season, and the problem is their defense. They're giving up one and a half goals per match that in a league outside of the top two combatants really doesn't feature a lot of offense. And to that end, they are tied for 11th in regard, not even scoring a goal per match. But they do have one of the league's better scores, probably responsible for like 40% of their offense uh, uh, with four on the year as Rafiq Kabu from Tunisia. But their best overall player, I believe, is Ali Fazi. He's a defender for them, has a goal and assist, and is our second guy this podcast who I want to make note has an 80% tackle rate. I'll be honest, I've never seen this guy play, but he sounds incredibly physical. And he's either got really big hops or he's very, very tall or both because I noted that he's got a ton of aerial clearances. He might just be a big dude all the way around. He's been here for most or all of his career, at the very least since 2016. Team's current form, they just got a draw against all Dakhleya nil-nil to snap a three-match losing streak. So that's not too bad. A little glimmer of hope for them. Al-Ali, they are likely to come to town and quash it. They are known as the Red Devils or the Red Giant. They have won five, they've won five straight titles through 2019-2020, but not the last couple of them. They've also won 10 Champions League titles, and the last one was 2020-2021. But they've been getting some competition the last couple of years. In fact, last year, they only finished in third place, and that was their worst finish since 1991-1992, and I gathered that they are a little cross about it because they are one of three undefeated teams remaining in the league. They're very well balanced this year. Top three defense, top two offense, second best overall goal differential. So they're not a cinch to regain their crown by any means, but they're going to be in the thick of the race, as you would imagine. And what makes them so hard to stop, I almost don't know who to tell you to follow on this team. They've got five players that are tied for the team lead, none of whom are in the top 10 in the league. They've all got two goals apiece. This is a team that scores a lot. They've got three players that are tied for fifth best in league assists, also at five. 
Just incredible. They do also have the third best goalkeeper in the league in save percentage, and that is Mohamed El Sharawi, veteran backing them up. 34 years old, 35 national team caps to his credit. I think that the best overall player is one of the guys who's got two goals, and that is Tunisian left back Ali Malouf. I remember talking about him a little bit last season. Despite the fact that he's a left back, he's one of those guys with two goals, and he's got three assists as well. Uh, He's got a really high tackle rate, but I'm not sure how physical he really is. There's not a lot of volume there, and he's a really solid passer for the position. Has nearly 60 national team appearances under his belt. Team's current form, they've earned two straight draws and against the number seven and number 13 teams, so maybe just a little fatigue setting in as the season goes on. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. And if the song isn't enough of a clue, I think it's a pretty joyful one. We're not here to make fun of these mid-table teams that are facing off. We want you to vote on these, and we want to cover it because it gives us a glimpse at two clubs that probably nobody else in the world is talking about and in this particular match, maybe outside of their own locales. The one that you have selected is a Wednesday match this week from the Persian Gulf Pro League. That is the top flight in Iran. In the Asian coefficients, it is ranked number five of all the leagues. That's down one from a year ago. They just got passed up by Uzbekistan. They could get as many as three teams into the Champions League group stage and one into the playoff round between the league and the winner of their FA Cup. When it comes to Asia, those things are always in flux because they reestablish their league ranks, which help determine that multiple times a year. On the other end of things, two teams are going to get relegated. I'm almost not sure why I mentioned any of that, because these two teams probably won't catch a sniff of it. They're almost halfway through the season, and they are ranked number six and number 10, respectively. That is Aluminium and Fulad. Aluminium, they trailed number three, Sepahan, which I think is the most likely uh, target spot in the table for them to be assured of an international berth by five points already. Fulad, meanwhile, they lead number 15, Sanat Naft, by seven. Number 15 being the first of the positions or one of the key positions that would be in the relegation zone. The series between these two, perfectly even at one, two, and one the last couple of years. Aluminium is a club that was founded in 2001. They finished in second place in Iran's second division in 2020-21, and that got them promoted to the top flight for the very first time. And so now we will celebrate that by telling you that their full name is Aluminium Arak, A-R-A-K, not Iraq like the country. The city has well over a half million people. It's in the northwest central part of the country, and it's largely considered to be the industrial capital of Iran. Uh, As you would guess by the name, there's a lot of aluminum, or as they would say in Britain, aluminium or something like that. I assure you I'm getting the actual club name right. Steel and big on locomotive industry, as well as oil production. The team has a really interesting nickname, Amir Kabir's Army. I was, I assumed he was, uh, you know, some sort of political figure. And I guess the way politics and religion are married in that part of the world in a way he is, but he was an 1800s religious leader, led a group called there the Babis, B-A-B-I-S, uh, which led to the Baha'i faith, essentially, which Iran is not sort of the capital or headquarters of, but Most of the theology that went into the Baha'i faith, uh, from what I've gathered, came from this guy in Iran. They're also known as the Sun, S-U-N, men. I'm not sure if that's related to Baha'i or not. 
Last year, they finished in eighth place in the league. This year, uh, their offense is not what's got them in the middle of the league buoying them. They're not even getting two-thirds of a goal per match on average, but they do have the second-best defense going, giving up just a little bit more than a third of a goal per match. Uh, basically, they are your classic, boring-to-watch, sorry, small ball team. They're not trying to score. They're working very hard to not give up goals and try not to get relegated. And, hey, so far it's working. They've got two players on the team that are tied for the lead for their team at two goals apiece is all. Tied to number one in clean sheets in the league with eight of those is Hossein Poor Hamidi, or Hamidi. Maybe it rhymes with comedy. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Team's current form. They have only actually lost one out of their last eight matches. Now, Fulad, they are known as the Men of Steel and play out of the city of Afaz. It's in the west central part of the country, a little over one and a quarter million people there. And unfortunately, if they are really famous for anything internationally, it's because the uh, WHO ranked them as the worst city in the entire world in air pollution back in 2011 because the area is just almost pure oil production. Although, well, I guess I would have to say there's some steel there as well. They wouldn't have been nicknamed the Men of Steel otherwise, I'm certain. Those who are into their uh, somewhat modern geopolitics will recognize this area or its region anyway. In the past, Iraq has really pressed heavily to add this city and some of the surrounding territory to their country. Footy-wise, they have won two league titles. Last one was 2013-14. They had some more recent success as well. They won the FA Cup in 2020-2021. The year after that, they made the Champions League round of 16, and that is tied for the best they have ever done. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, it's the defense that's been letting them down. They're in the bottom half of the league. The offense is a little bit above average. They've got a very middling goal differential. Uh, They've only scored one more goal than they've given up on the year. They have two players that are tied for the team lead on scoring with three goals apiece. And their current form, they are 1-2-0 in their last three. End of the road, New Bites match number 13, the third and final of our bonus matches. Kevin Sorbo, tell us what we call it, the match of... Disappointed! Ooh, and it is absolutely worth his shudder-making score. Oh, that just scares me. I might have peed myself a little, but I'm not going to tell you. This is two teams at the very bottom of their league for somewhere from somewhere in the world. <laughs> no, I didn't pee myself honest, person new. Again, not that I'm going to tell you. A Thursday match. We stay almost in the region. We move from the Near East to the Middle East to the Qatar Stars League, the top flight there. No thanks to these two sad sack bottom feeders. This is the seventh ranked league in all of the AFC. The top two teams will get the glory of going to the Champions League. And then another one will also go, but to the playoff round, not starting in the event proper of the group stage. These two teams, a little bit more relevant here. One will get relegated and one will have to fight for their top flight lives at the end of the year in a relegation playoff match. They're a third of the way through the season and it can't get over fast enough for number 12, Al Ryan. They are playing host to number 11, Al Salia. Salia currently laid Ryan by three and they in turn trail number 11, Um Salal by three. That's sort of the point that they need to aim for if they're going to escape all the disappointing Wow, three three suffixes on that one. I think that's a record for me. Series between these two recently, Rayan have been a bit better, accruing a 4-3-1 and one record. They play out of an area, a city, I should say, called Um Al-Afail, uh, which is a rural district, which is a rural district of 
the city region of Ryan. Um, U-M-M, means mother, and it's often an affix that's used to represent geographical things. Afael is snakes, because the geographical depression that largely makes up this area is chock full of them. So mother and snakes. You know what? In case any of your person whose friends are listening, I'm going to make you make your, let you make your own Samuel L. Jackson plane joke there. Snakes in a depression. Yeah, doesn't quite have the same ring to it. They are known as the lions. What is up with that? Not only is that the most cliche nickname in the world, that's as disappointing as the play of the soccer team. You ought to be named the snakes. Ride it while they're there. Gemini. They've actually won eight league titles since the mid-1970s, but 2015-16 was the only time they managed it this century, and oh, have they fallen off since then. Now, they played in the 2019 and 2020 Champions League. They even made the group stage in the first of those two. Last year, a little bit more telling. They dropped all the way down to eighth place. This year, woof, no wins on the season and only one little bitty draw. They've got the worst offense. They've only managed one goal in the year in seven matches. Uh, Their defense is a little bit closer to average, but overall they're in the bottom two for their goal differential. The team scoring leader, this tells you a lot of what you need to know, has two. And he's the only guy on the team who's managed to do it. That is Johan Boley from the Ivory Coast, their striker. European footy fans have a chance to recognize him. He played for a a reasonably mediocre team over in the top flight in Belgium for five years, St. Truiden, before he came over to this region. Team's current form, well, that lone draw was three matches ago, nil-nil at Um Salal, their lone scalp of sorts on the season. And now Celia, they are known as the Peregrines, as in the Vulcans or the Shawani. I believe that the latter of those is a reference to uh, Sunni uh, Muslims, but I'm not exactly sure how. I didn't go too far down that rabbit trail this time. They play out of the capital city of Doha and have actually had some recent success, but not in league. They won the FA Cup in 2021. And they've won the League Cup twice each of the last two seasons. Why they can't replicate the success in the league, very confusing to me. Last year, they finished in 11th place, so they didn't get miss getting relegated by too much. This year, the offense is pretty bad. They only score one goal per match, but the defense, that's the real bugaboo. They're tied for worst in that regard, giving up exactly two per match. Worst goal differential, these guys are going down. Tied for number six in league scoring and wishing he were back home no matter how cold he gets in the winter. Four goals on the air for Swede Carlos Strandberg. Best club he ever uh, was on was Club Brugge over in the Netherlands or Belgium. I suddenly can't remember which. I think Belgium. In any event... He actually never made any senior appearances for them. He got loaned to Westerlo. He's also played back home for uh, Malmo, Haken, which is the new great uh, team over there, and Orobro, and then in Russia for CSKA Moscow. He didn't actually come to the Middle East for this part of his career until 2019. Bit of a veteran. Team's current form, well, they just earned a 1-1 draw and an impressive one at number three, all do hail, and that snapped a four-match losing streak, so a tiny bit of credit where it is due. But I mean only title. You get the small, slow clap for doing one good thing at the year. So in addition to my little bit of heckling, we will now shoo you away rather than good luck in our usual heckling fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo.
And that's a wrap on episode 116 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob. Like to very much thank the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Interno for all of his continuing efforts and inspiration to my daughter co-host Person Noob. Thank you so much. I love doing this with you. As always, this was particularly silly when a couple different times, and I love that most of all. And most of all, thank you to you for giving a a listen to our show. If this is your first time, we're especially grateful. We hope that you were uh, entertained, educated, and that you will join us once again. Until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.